Hello, my name is Wayne McGahee III, host of the Locked On Seminoles podcast on the Locked On Podcast Network. Welcome back to another episode of the Locked On Seminoles podcast. I'm excited you're here. Uh, I hope that you've been a recurring listener, and I hope that you've enjoyed the first few installments of this podcast as we you know, aim to get things going and get more viewers. If you have not listened before, I uh, hope that you will continue to listen. A little bit about myself, I cover Florida State for the Tallahassee Democrat. I cover football, baseball, basketball, recruiting. I cover every football practice, every time Willie Taggart speaks, every time uh, the players speak. Uh, I'm there listening to what they have to say. I cover every football game, home and away, bowl games. Uh, For basketball, I cover every home basketball game. I'm also at uh, the... NCAA tournament games. I was in Nashville and Los Angeles for Florida State's NCAA tournament run in the Elite Eight um, last year. For baseball, I covered the home baseball games as well as any postseason baseball games. I was out in Omaha for the College World Series uh, two years ago when Florida State made their College World Series run. And I also cover every major and usually every minor recruiting event depending on what else is going on. But um, I have a pretty good view about what's happening around Florida State Athletics and what's going on with the three major programs and in recruiting. So uh, I hope you'll stick with me as you know we continue through this podcast through the season and into the offseason. And for those of you that have been returning listeners, I really appreciate all of your support. Um, you know, some, uh, some news from Florida State today, not really huge news, but uh, it could have an effect this weekend. Safety Calvin Bruton is no longer with the football team. I reported this uh, earlier today, um, confirmed by a Florida State spokesperson. Do not know why he is he is no longer with the football team, but um, he, he hasn't really made an impact. He played in the first two games, mostly on special teams. He's mostly a special teams player throughout his career. He did play some um, in 2016, but he's been mostly a special teams player this year. Uh, the way it could hurt Florida State right now is that Cyrus Fagan was injured on Wednesday's practice. We don't know the severity of that injury, but he did walk out to practice today and did not have anything uh, on his left arm or in the shoulder area, and he looked like he had a lot more movement when it came to that. But we don't know his status for Saturday against Northern Illinois. Um, so he, with, with him, with uh, Fagan out, pr- probably out, um, I'm not going to say that I, you know, that he's 100% going to be out. But judging off what we saw from practice and just how much pain he was in from that injury, I highly doubt that he's going to be able to play this weekend, which means that Florida State only has Stanford Samuels the third, Hampson Nasruddin, and A.J. Westbrook back at safety um, for this game. So that, you know, it could uh, it could hurt the depth for, uh, for the Seminoles um, against Northern Illinois. But it's overall, it's not really a huge issue. It doesn't open up any uh, extra scholarships for Florida State because he's a senior. He was expected to be gone anyway. Florida State already has two safeties committed for the 2019 class. Both four stars, Brendan Gant and Nick Cross, are considered some uh, two of the top safeties in the country. So Florida State is sitting pretty uh, as far as that goes in the recruiting game right now with the safeties that they that they have committed. Um, we got to speak to. Florida State head coach Willie Taggart today, and he talked about how Florida State's been getting back to fundamentals. Um, and I know there's a lot of people that don't want to hear that, that, oh, they should have gone back to fundamentals back in March. Look, Florida State works on fundamentals every single practice. They're just putting more of an emphasis 
on it this week because the players just weren't, it wasn't translating to the field. There's, you know, they do the right things in practice. We know they do the right things in practice, and yet it doesn't, it isn't translating to the field. And uh, Willie Taggart has gone on the record saying, especially with the offensive line, this is mostly towards the offensive line, has said that they panic when they get onto the field and they go back to, um, you know, they go back and when they're on the field, once the, you know, once the players start flying at them, they go back to old habits that they learned under the old coaching staff. There's a lot of different offensive line techniques that Florida State, um, maybe not techniques, but different rules that they're, they're using. And it's, it's, um, from, from, it's a, there's a lot of different rules that they're using from the previous coaching staff and that's and when you know things that start going badly they start forgetting about those things and going back to what they what they um, learned previously so that's really affecting um the cohesiveness of the offensive line it doesn't help that you have players just switching around completely um you know you had Derek Kelly who was a guard starting at right tackle you had Landon Dickerson who was a guard starting at right tackle you know, you have Juwan Williams and Mike Arnold and Abdul Bello, who had never played a game coming into this season doing that. I mean, um, Cole Minshew was out for the in, you know, the entire fall camp and is just starting to get back, and he's not in playing shape. So that's a that's a big issue for the Florida State offensive line. Really, the only player that's you know played consistently and is playing in the in the position that he started out this season in is. Alec Eberly at center, and that's, I mean, that that's it. So there's a lot of issues affecting that, but they're, they're going back to the fundamentals. They're working on it. They're, they're driving it into the offensive line's head. This is what you're supposed to be doing. You know, they're, they're making it a, an even more of a point of emphasis than they already did. Like, it was a point of emphasis, but they are doing everything they can to drive those techniques and the rules that they're supposed to, you know, to, to live by on the offensive line into their head because through the first three games, they would revert back to what they learned under the previous coaching staff, and it just wasn't working. Um, so Willie Taggart's been real hands-on, and he talked about that today, just how they've been how they've been going back to fundamentals. Uh, you know, the wide receivers just doing stupid little things, covering up the tight end, like pointing at the official but not looking over to see if they're correct, not looking over to see if they're lined up correctly. Because the the official, if you look over and you ask him, like you point at him and he'll give you a thumbs up or thumbs down or tell you to move back if you're not lined up properly. And that's just, it's just stupid little mistakes that, um, you know, they, they've been working on to, uh, to fix this week. And we'll see how, how far that goes this week. Um, Northern Illinois comes to town, uh, have one of the best pass rushers in college football in Sutton Smith, but, uh, and this defense is, is very, very good. You know, they're giving up an average of 20 points in the two F, uh, FB or uh, Power Five games that they played, they played Utah and they played Iowa and gave up a combined around twenty uh, twenty two points. So this this isn't a uh, you know this isn't a bad defense that Florida State's uh, going to be facing on Saturday. Um, now Northern Illinois' offense isn't very good, but you know we'll, we'll get into that you know uh, tomorrow. We'll talk a little. We'll in tomorrow's episode, I'll give my prediction, you know, players that I think will, will step up and players that I think have to step up in order for Florida State to come out and get a win, get back to 500, and uh, that'll be in tomorrow's podcast. But later today in, in 
Uh, today's podcast, I'll be answering questions. We got a lot of questions today from uh, from fans, so that might take up the next two segments. We'll have to wait and see uh, just how many I can get to in the first segment. If we have to go into the second segment or the third segment, um, I will uh, I will continue answering those questions in that segment. So I'm going to try and get to everyone's questions, and uh, we'll go from there. But I did some uh, I did some digging into the numbers today, and Florida State's third downs are are even worse than I thought. Right against Syracuse and Virginia Tech, Florida State averaged nine point nine yards to go, almost a full ten yards to go on third downs, and it's because of a lot of penal, uh, penalties. It's because Florida State's getting stopped uh, behind the line of scrimmage on a lot of runs. They're creating big holes for themselves on on first down and second down. Um, you know, it's it's really not been an issue for you know Florida State's only running on first down, only passing on first down. Uh, it's been about even um, on first downs through the first three games. Uh, Florida State has thrown the ball forty four times and passed the ball forty six. Now that's that's a number that's skewed a little bit by um, you know Florida State falling behind early in games. So that isn't that is an issue. You know they have to they have to abandon the run a little bit and focus on the pass. But it's it's an issue. You know, it, it, Florida. This offense is designed to get you know three four yards on first down, and that way it's a manageable second down, and then you get into a manageable third down of third and three yards or less. Florida State's only had a third down of three yards and less four times in forty one attempts so far. It's just they're shooting themselves in the foot, and it's creating a just a massive massive issue for the Seminoles. So you know, first downs. Third downs, major, major problem. Basically, it, it's an overall offensive problem, but the numbers on third downs are striking. And the number, you know, like the, what, what they're facing on first downs is just as striking. But, you know, if, if this offense is going to get going, there has to be manageable third downs. Uh, we'll get into the second segment here in just a minute, talking about what, uh, you know, a- answering some questions from uh, from the fans. But before we get into that, when I started this podcast about two weeks ago, people have been asking me for advice, and usually it's what team to bet on this week. The truth is, I don't know who's going to win. I'm so far 1-2 and two in picking teams to win, and over 3 against the spread. Uh, not a good start, but hoping to bounce back this week. But if you think you know who's going to win each game and the spread you got to check out MyBookie. Remember, who you're betting on is just as important as who you're betting with. That's why I always tell people to bet with MyBookie. Trust me, guys, they are your best bet this season. MyBookie is slammed with new bettors and wants to give everyone the best service possible. If you're willing to deposit after 7 p.m. Eastern time, they'll give you an additional $25 free play on deposits over $100. Join now and MyBookie will match your deposit dollar for dollar up to $1,000 in free play. Visit MyBookie online today, that's M-Y-B-O-O-K-I-E, and don't forget to use the promo code COLLEGEON25, C-O-L-L-E-G-E-O-N-25, when creating your account to claim up up to $1,000 in free play. You play, you win, you get paid. Simple as that. Thanks for sticking with me as we go into the second segment. This is the mailbag segment. We have this every Thursday. And if you have a question that you want answered on the podcast, send a tweet to at on Seminoles on Twitter, and we will feature your question on the podcast. So make sure to do that. Um, 
I'll be asking on th- every Thursday in the morning. We'll uh, I'll set up a, a tweet, and then people can respond to it with questions. But if you have any questions that you want answered throughout the week, just send a tweet to at Locked On Seminoles, and we'll get your question answered. Um, the first question, quarterback question, surprisingly. Um, not an offensive line question, but uh, T. Will, what has to happen for Willie to give Blackman a shot? Willie Taggart has been adamant. After Syracuse and today during practice, that DeAndre Francois is not the issue. Uh, you know, he, he, has not, he hasn't helped his offensive line um, a whole bunch, but he, he really hasn't been the problem. Um, when he's getting hit consistently over and over again, you know, his, his internal clock right now is completely off. But the, the one thing to note is that if Blackman takes over, you're done with Francois. You can't bring him back. I mean, that's just the way it is. That's, I mean, he, he's just, he, he's not a guy that you can take and put on the bench. And then if Blackman gets hurt or Blackman, you know, doesn't do as well, you can't bring him back just because of the confidence level. So if that happens, if Willie does go to Blackman at some point, it's, he, you're, he's moving on from, from DeAndre. I don't know that that's going to happen anytime soon because I, you know, I, I do think that uh, Francois has been all right. Um, he has. He really hasn't been the problem. Um, I know that uh, you know that there's a, a vocal contingent of fans that want Blackman, and he was asked about it today. But I don't think it's happening in anytime soon. Um, if it does happen, and Francois starts just making bad decisions, um, really bad decisions, and throwing a lot of interceptions, and um, just not not leading the offense the way he should be leading, and you can't really blame any of that on, on him right now because of the way the offensive line is playing in front of him and just how much time he doesn't have. So I think that's, um, yeah, I, I, don't, I don't see that happening anytime soon, but if it does happen, you have to know that, uh, you know, you're moving on from DeAndre Francois at that point. Um, T. Will also had the question, why don't we move Warner to the Sam's uh, linebacker spot and let him and Jackson play together? Those guys do a lot of the same things, and both of them are not like uh, Warner is not very good in coverage. He's he's a he's a he's a real liability in coverage, just because he's he's so big. He he moves well for a guy that size, but when you're pairing him with athletic tight ends, it's it's not going to go well. And I I realize that Florida State has an issue at the Sam linebacker position. Once Emmett Rice returns, I think he moves into the starting lineup. The question is when he returns. So I think that's going to uh, I think that's going to be at some point in the season we do expect him back it just it's just a matter of you know when they can get him out there in a consistent role because you know he's still recovering from that ACL injury but I you know I would like to see some more combinations I mean maybe you put Warner out there and just see how he does because I thought that he I think that he has been fine when uh, they give Dontavious a break but um, I just I just don't know that they, that he fits what they're looking for at that position. But right now, I mean, really not very many of the linebackers do. So I think that that's going to be something that they're going to have to continue to work out. And I think that uh, once Emmett Rice returns and he's actually healthy enough to play consistently, I think that unit's going to get a lot better. Um, next question comes from CM Hubbard. What are the chances the injured offensive line linemen come back healthy this year, and when do you see them getting back on the field? I will say that I am much more confident that Landon Dickerson um, comes back healthy this year than I am at Derek Kelly. I'm not like uh, Derek Kelly's injury after going back and watching it on film was absolutely brutal. He got rolled up on the side of the knee. Uh, he couldn't put any pressure on it, and I haven't seen him. I, I, we haven't we haven't seen him since. 
uh, that sat, um, since we got back. He, he hasn't been at any of the practices, and he did not come out with the team today. So I don't know when we're going to see him back. We also haven't seen Landon Dickerson out at the practices, but I have seen him around the uh, the more athletic center, and he looks. I mean, honestly, he looks like he he would be, he's uh, on the right track to getting back healthy. I asked Willie Taggart today during the media setting um, if there was a timetable for his return. He said there's not, but uh, his rehab is going very well, and they could uh, they hope to get him back sooner rather than later. Um, I don't know what sooner is. I wouldn't expect him to play this weekend, and maybe not at Louisville. He might maybe might be able to return back by Miami. Not sure. Um, but I don't know that we're going to see Derek Kelly again for a, for a very long time, just uh, because of how how bad the injury looked, and we haven't had a uh, an update on his status yet. Um, Kerry Bowes, why not use tight ends as substitute tackles since the guards can't move fast enough, but the tight end should be able to. Defensive ends are usually smaller anyway. None of Florida State's tight ends are over 250 pounds. None of them. Like, there's a question about putting Jalen Goss out there because he's only 273 pounds. If you go out there and you try and put a guy like Trey McKitty at the at a tight end position, he's just going to get run over. I mean, I this that that isn't an option at all. It shouldn't be an option. Um, I get that defensive ends are usually smaller, but that there's there's no way when you run up against a bigger defensive end, you're going to get absolutely smashed. Um, so I, I I don't see that as being uh, as being an option for Florida State this season. Uh, Tim Flynn, Tim Flynn, who asked a question last week, and I appreciate him uh, him returning. How are you holding up while covering this team? You know, it's uh, it's been rough, man. <laughs> You know, there's only so much that you can write about and talk about how bad a team is before people start checking out. Um, so trying to find different angles to talk about and write about, and, you know, I'm not going to sugarcoat anything. Um, that's just not who I am. I'm not going to sit there and, you know, pump sunshine. I just, I, I'm, I don't do that. I'm more of a pessimist than an optimist in the first place. But, um, you know, it, it's been it's been pretty rough, but you know, Florida State has done a fantastic job with media availability, making players available. So this, I mean, this year has still been far and away better than what we got last year, where we would get like two players and you know Jimbo Fisher twice a week. I mean, it's been far and away better as far as that goes. I will say that uh, you know whoever is running the deal at Syracuse, needs to find a way to get a fan in that press box because it was about 95 degrees. It was hotter in the press box than it was on the field and in the stands. I mean, it was about 95 degrees consistently in that press box, and it was miserable. And we were there for, uh, I was there from 10.30 to about 6. So however many that hours that is. But, um, yeah, it was pretty It was pretty miserable. Um but other than that, holding up pretty well. You know, basketball season's getting ready to start. Fall baseball's getting ready to start. I'm really excited for the basketball team. Practice starts next Thursday. We'll get into that um, and discuss that a little bit, despite football season going on. You know, this basketball team, I think, has the potential to be pretty good. And, <clears throat> and we'll talk more about that as uh, as basketball season gets closer, because it starts out with a bang this year against Florida. 
to open the season. So, you know, there's there's a lot of exciting things to talk about with the basketball team, especially with them coming off that Elite Eight run. So we'll get into some basketball later on, not not right now, maybe in a couple weeks we'll start talking some basketball, but for now the focus is going to be on football. But I'm excited for this basketball season and um yeah, so that'll do it with this segment of the Locked On Seminoles podcast. I hope you've enjoyed the first two segments. We'll be answering some more questions um, in the uh, in the third segment because we didn't get to all of them. And I appreciate all the support and you guys sending me uh, sending me your questions. It's been great. But um, before we get into the third segment, the wait is over. Football season is here, and that means it's fantasy football season, and FanDuel has never been more fun or easier to play. If you're not a fantasy expert, then FanDuel is clearly the best place to play for you. They even have this this one setting where uh, they will help you pick your team um, and give you the best possible choices. So you know, if, if you're not a fantasy expert, make sure to go check that out if you still want to play. It's, uh, it's a pretty cool feature that I don't think uh, a lot of other sites are using. So... FanDuel has something uh, for everyone, and there are more ways to win than ever before. And new users get a $20 bonus when they make their first deposit on FanDuel. You know, I am I had a nice, really nice bounce back week this week, and I'm hoping that, uh, that that'll continue. Uh, thank you, Todd Gurley, Brandon Cooks, Stefan Diggs. Yeah, I, I drafted a pretty good team this year and had a really disappointing loss in the first uh the first week, but if you enjoy fantasy football like me, you have to check out FanDuel.com. Everyone loves a night out, whether it's going to see your favorite team play, Florida State fans looking at you, or maybe going to see your favorite band in person. With Vivid Seats, you can attend the concert, show, or sporting event of your choice at a great price. Vivid Seat is is the top source for tickets for all live events you want to go to. You can sort by price or look for seats in the section and row of your choice. To make things even better, Vivid Seats is giving listeners an exclusive promo code of $20 off for orders of $200 or more to save even more money. Go to the App Store or Google Play and download the Vivid Seats app. Use promo code Locked On for twenty dollars off orders of two hundred dollars or more. Every purchase is backed by a one hundred percent buyer guarantee. From the biggest concerts and games to the hottest theater or more, Vivid Seats have it all. So download the app and enter the promo code Locked On for twenty dollars off orders of two hundred dollars or more. Thanks for sticking with me as we get into the final segment of this edition of the Locked On Seminoles podcast. We are still answering questions. And, um, you know, we got a couple funny ones. Who is the best looking guy on the beat? Official team sites included. That is from Seminoles.com writer Tim Linnefelt. And I hate to break it to you, Tim, but it's going to be your partner, Lane Hurt. The Lane train. Um, no, actually, I, I really have no idea. It certainly isn't me. I mean, I, I know that, you know, I'm self-aware enough to know to know that for sure. But uh, give me the Lane train. But... Moving on, because that was slightly awkward, but hey, that's what we do here. Um, which offensive line recruits should FSU be looking at uh, in the 2019 class? That's from Andrew Levine. And Florida State's offered twenty oh, over 20 offensive tackles. Offensive tackle is obviously the biggest need for this team. Um, they have one committed and four-star Charles Cross. He's the number 28 offensive tackle in the country. He's pretty much uh, blown up the ranks. Uh, he, You know, he's... He went and camped at Florida State. He had a couple. He had a couple of really good days. Um, he's not an instant impact guy. He's a guy that's you know not got the uh, the size. Like he's he's six five, but he's only two two eighty. He's going to need some time in a uh, 
in, in Florida State's strength and conditioning program to build up that weight and to build up that strength because right now he's I just don't know that he's strong enough to come in and immediately contribute. Um, the primary uncommitted target for Florida State is Evan Neal out of IMG Academy, but right now he's trending toward Alabama and uh, and Miami. Despite Florida State probably offer, you know, Florida State if if he if Evan Neal comes in and play, it comes to Florida State, he probably starts day one at left tackle. Probably starts day one, beats everybody out because he is extremely talented. He's huge and he moves so well. For a big guy like that, Florida State also has guard Dante Lucas committed, but guard isn't really the biggest issue for the Seminoles. It is very much um, offensive tackle, and uh, the twenty four seven guys put together a really good list of JUCO offensive tackles. So I recommend checking that out. Um, they mentioned Anthony Wiggum and uh, Bamidi. I Jesus Christ, I'm gonna butcher this name. Uh, Bamadeli Olaseni. I think that got got that right, but uh, he's originally from London. He's 6'8", 290 pounds. Um, Kadeem Telfer, the former Florida player, they mentioned a, a few guys, so I recommend uh, recommend checking that story out, just because um, they're a lot more into the uh, into the JUCO scene than I am, because um, I follow recruiting, but JUCO recruiting is its own is its own different, completely different animal, and it really doesn't pick up until the the start of the. Um, of the season, the football season, before we figure out who's actually you know worth the uh, worth the time. So we're gonna have to wait and see how that shakes out. But Florida State's offered a bunch of JUCO offensive tackles so far. They're gonna need to continue to evaluate those, and they definitely need to bring in at least one, if not two, uh, JUCO offensive tackles, uh, especially if they don't, if, if Florida State can't find a way to land Evan Neal. Um, Josh Ball is also one of the top JUCO offensive tackles, but it would it would be shocking if he returned to Florida State after being uh, kicked out of the university. Um, so, I hope that answered uh, answered your question. Um, that's the best way you know that I know to answer it because there's there's a uh, there's a lot of issues when it comes when it comes to that. But um, the final question of the podcast is our weekly obscure game of the week from uh, our friend Bryce Aroni who asked me to pick Tulsa and Temple and uh, Temple is coming off a huge win at Maryland they've had a couple of tough losses in the last uh, the last minute of their games I think Temple's going to roll over uh, over Tulsa and it's at Temple so I I do think that uh, the Owls are going to find a lot of success especially riding high off that Maryland win so give me Temple by more than seven points which is the spread Uh, but that'll do it for this episode of the Locked on Seminoles podcast I hope that you've enjoyed it as much as I've enjoyed doing it and I hope you continue to to listen as we continue doing these every single uh, day Monday through Friday they're only going to be about 30 minutes so they're perfect for your ride home every day and uh, I hope you continue to listen make sure you if you if, if you did enjoy it make sure that you hit like favorite subscribe whatever it is on your favorite podcast site so it alerts you when uh when the episodes come out i really appreciate all the support that i've gotten for this so far and uh shout out to ireland and australia um you know i shouted out ireland and then like two minutes later there were like 40 people from australia listening to my podcast so you know this is an international podcast guys uh, everybody loves the Knowles or, you know, loves to hate on the Knowles. Not sure which one that is, but 
you know, we'll, we'll find, I guess we'll continue to find out, but I really appreciate all the support. So for the Locked On Seminoles podcast, I'm your host, Wayne McGahey. Thanks for listening. Have a wonderful day.